Let me just kind of give you my disclaimer on dating. Uh, I am not your mom. I am not your dad. So I can't tell you when you can or cannot date. That is up to you and your family, and you guys can figure it out. And I'm not here to overrule what your mom and dad say. That's between you and your parents. What I am here to do is give you a biblical framework for what dating should look like and is supposed to be. And I hope based off of what the word of God says to you, then you'll make the appropriate decisions when it comes to dating. And so I just want to make sure I preface that. Uh, and as I was thinking about this session and, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up on Monday. And so some of you might already be planning some stuff, which by the way, my greatest science lesson came on Valentine's Day in high school. It's where I learned that, uh, Air comes out of balloons in cold weather. Because I remember going uh, in my school, everybody went to the jewel right next to the high school on Valentine's Day. All the dudes who waited last second, we all ran to the jewel to buy the balloons and buy the flowers and whatever was left over. And uh, you see all these guys like a parade coming out of jewel with their balloons and their flowers, and they're all dragging on the floor because we found out that in the cold temperature, you know, that air escape. So some of us are like freaking out because we're like freshmen and sophomore. Like, oh my God, I, I just bought this balloon. It busted. We're freaking out. And then we walk into the school and whoop, it inflates again. And we're like, yo, I need to pay attention in science class. This is dope. And so, and then, you know, all the girls are really excited or really sad, depending on if they got something or didn't get something. And all their lockers are painted up. And some of them girls collecting trophies, man, like had stacks of flowers and stacks of gifts. And, and I did some cool stuff. You know, I did some cool things. Uh, you know, I had a little little swag back in that aspect. Uh, but I look back at that and I think about just kind of even the emotions leading up to it, you know? Uh, you know, there's this excitement, there's this dread, there's this anticipation. And if nothing else, there's this moment where you start to evaluate. And, and if you're single, you're starting to think, oh my God, no one's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to want to be with me. Another Valentine's Day by myself, blah, 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 blah. If you're in a relationship, you're like, I can't believe I got to pay all this. Why am I still in this relationship? I don't even like him. I don't even like her. Uh, man, I should break up with her before Valentine's Day. Then I wouldn't have had to buy anything. So there's all these weird emotions going on right before Valentine's Day. And so I wanted to give you guys some tips, some things to look out for. You might be in a relationship. You might be thinking about being in a relationship. Uh, if you're like anything like I've been or all teenagers have been, it's at least on your mind, you know, that individual. And so I want to talk to you today about red flags. Uh, you know, if you ever pay attention on, on TikTok or on Instagram, you might see those little vines, those little clips, you know, red flags, if this and this happens. Well, believe it or not, the Bible has some red flags. There are some red flags in dating that some of y'all are not paying attention to. Now, if you're unsure what red flags mean, a red flag is a warning sign. It's, it's red so that it's visible, so that people understand it. It is a way to warn you and say, yo, did you see what just happened? That should be a red flag. That should be an indicator. That should be a sign that you need to go in a different direction or that you need to move away in this. And the problem, why some of us end up with a heartache every other week, why some of us sit there listening to slow jams in the room at night crying our eyes out, is because we ignore the red flags. And if you want to have success in dating, if you want to be able to minimize the heartache that you endure, if you want to be successful at building a relationship, even outside of dating, you need to pay attention to the red flags. Now, I want to make sure you understand two things before we dive into the scripture. 
Number one, I'm talking uh, as if you're a Christian, okay? So I don't expect the world to follow these rules. I don't expect your friends who are unbeliever to follow these rules. But if you're in this place and you consider yourself to be a Christian, a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then this absolutely applies to you. So if you're in this room and you're visiting, you're like, yo, I don't even know about all this stuff. I don't want you to be offended. I don't want you to get mad at me like, oh, you're trying to call me out. I, bro, I don't even know you, sweetie. I don't even know you. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm pre- trying to preach what the word says, okay? So number one, this is for the believers to understand. Number two, the scripture specifically is talking about a woman, but I need you to understand that I'm talking about both genders, okay? I'm talking about men and women. And so every red flag that we point up is a red flag that you can see in a potential female and a potential male. Are you hearing me tonight? All right, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, this is one of my go-to Proverbs when it comes to red flags in dating. I encourage you, when you get home, read that scripture for yourself, study it, look through what the Bible is saying. There are some really, really interesting things, and I need you to understand, there is no topic where the Bible doesn't give us instruction, okay? The Bible is amazing at helping you navigate life and helping you understand what you should and shouldn't do. So if you're taking notes, I want to look at Proverbs chapter 7. We are literally just going to walk through the proverb, and I'm going to give you five red flags that I see in Proverbs chapter 7. If you're with me, say yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So let's dive right in, because I got a few of these that I want to talk about. Uh, In Proverbs, in the beginning of the proverb, there's a a, a man who's kind of the narrator of this story, and he's talking about how he's hanging out in his his window in his house, and he's looking out among the streets, and he sees uh, this, this situation going down with this young man and this, what the Bible describes as an immoral woman, and we'll get into more details on what that means, but he's watching this whole scenario break down, and I don't know if y'all are like me, but man, we be nosy in the window, right? Like, if there's a car crash outside, don't matter what. In my neighborhood, if, if a car crashes outside, it could be four in the morning. Yo, we all come out in our boxes like, yo, what happened? Right? We can't do nothing, but we, we're out there. We're like, and we, cops can be there. We'll still be out there for like a couple hours. Like, I'm gonna just chill here in case the cops need me or something, you know. I'm just gonna be of assistance. But what is it really? We're nosy. We wanna know. Like, well, was that drunk? Whose car did they hit? Did they hit Randy's car? Oh my God, I think that was Randy's car. Like, we, we're nosy. Like, we like to see what's going on. And, and the Bible's no different. So, here in the scripture, he, he's out there. He's looking at this situation and he sees something unfolding. Now, the narrator, he has this wisdom, he has maturity to him. He, he's kind of been around for a while. And so what he's seen unfold, he's seen before. And as he's watching it, it's literally like y'all ever seen like, a, let's say a car accident about to happen. You see it, other people see it, but the people in the cars don't see it. And you do that face like, like they're going to hit you. And right before they hit like, ah, and then boom, you see it happen. This is literally what this man is watching. He's watching a young man and an immoral woman about to get into a collision course and be destroyed. And in this, he notices these red flags that we're going to talk about. And so let's look at verse 6 through 9 real quick, because I think our first red flag is hidden in these verses. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 through 9. Listen to what the word says. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. 
First red flag that you want to be on the lookout for when it comes to potentially someone you want to date is do they lack maturity? First red flag, do they lack maturity? Notice he says, I looked out and I saw among the simple. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they're dumb, but you know, if somebody calls you simple, that's not necessarily a compliment. It doesn't necessarily mean they're dumb though. Simple means inexperienced. It's just, it's simple, right? Like if you play a simple video game, it's, it's not meant for you to have like, you know, 80,000 buttons and, and try to navigate and have this immense skill set. It's a simple game. You know, some of these like Candy Crush games or little games, they're just meant to do like you do with your eyes closed. It's simple, okay? And so what he's saying is, hey, I saw a group of simple young men and among the simple was a real simple one, <laughs> one who had no sense. You wanna be careful because when you're looking at a potential person you wanna date or if you're looking at yourself, are you mature enough to engage in a godly relationship romantically with another individual. Most of the time we say yes. Most of the time we're wrong. I've often said this to young people when they're you know, you know, 12 years old and I'm like, all right, do you wanna marry a boy or do you wanna marry a man? I wanna marry a man. Then why are you dating boys? Just wait till you grow up, marry a man. Right? But a lot of times, because we want to be in relationships, we just jump in. The problem is they lack maturity. They're still simple. Let me explain that a little bit, okay? Because there's a few things, an easy way to tell if someone is mature enough to date. What they're looking for is simple. What they're looking for in a partner is simple. She got to have a nice body. He got to be wearing the right drip, got to have the right shoes, got to have the right clothes. You know, she, she got to be, you know, able to laugh at my jokes. She got to have popularity. He's got to be popular. He's got to be known. You know what that is? That's simple stuff. World is filled with beautiful people. World is filled with nice clothes. Ain't nothing complicated about that. Some people, you just give them a little makeover. They'll be exactly what you want them to be like. It's simple, and it don't even last, right? You ever like somebody because they were cute, and then when you stop liking them, you notice they weren't cute? They didn't change. Your opinion of them did. Why? Because it was a simple opinion. And when what you look for is simple, that's a good indicator that you're not ready to date because that's all you want. You know, when I talk to a lot of uh, young people and I, and I bring this topic up, almost always like, oh, you know, he got to have like a six pack and muscles and, you know, she got to have this kind of body that's like this and that and blah, blah, blah. And they're always like caught in the physical. The physical is too simple. And I'll tell you what, the physical goes away. I had a six pack. That goes away after a while. Okay. It went from a six pack to a eight pack to a keg to a barrel. It just, you know, beauty is fleeting. It starts to go away, all right? And so we got to be careful about being caught up with the simple. Here's another one, right? When you know someone's not mature enough to date, when you can easily manipulate them. When manipulating them is simple, here's what I mean. They do anything to please you because they have no self-respect. So, you know, you're like, oh, well, you know, do what I, do what I say or break up with me. I say, okay, I'll do it. Simple. I saw this girl one time, she was epic at breaking up with dudes in high school. And uh, one time she was breaking up with her boyfriend outside of a McDonald's and he's on his knees begging her to take him back. And she's like, you don't love me, you don't love me. He's like, oh, baby, I love you, I love she goes, If you love me, you'd get my name tattooed on your neck. The next week, y'all, 
he had her name tattooed on his neck. And she was laughing. I can't believe that loser put my name on his neck. She never took him back. Why? Simple, dude. Simple. I'm like, well, that's an idiot right there. Listen, how do you know if they're too immature? Their thought process is simple. If, 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 they, if I do this for you, then you should do that for me. That's a simple mindset. Well, I bought you something, so you, so you should let me touch you. And it's a simple mindset. Well, you know, I, 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 I you know, did all these things, and I, and I got dressed really nice for you, and so you should do this for me. You should buy me this. It's a simple mindset, okay? You got to be careful. When somebody is that simple, that immature, that's not somebody you need to be with. When their only understanding of dating is based on the television shows they've watched the last 14 years of their life, if they think the reality of love is based off of some drama they saw on the CW, they are not mature enough to date. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20 says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. What does it say? You should be innocent but not dumb. Have enough maturity to recognize if you or the person you're interested in is ready to pursue a relationship. The right person at the wrong time is still the wrong person. And so here's what you got to understand, okay? Let me just give it to you like this. I love chicken. Grilled chicken, baked chicken, fried chicken, chicken and stew, chicken soup. I love chicken. Chicken's dope, okay? But chicken has to be allowed to finish cooking. The other day I saw my De Leon brothers, they were cooking up some chicken sandwiches. By the way, that looked like a slap, bro. I was, not, I, mean, I was thoroughly impressed with the final product. You didn't wash your hands enough, but I was still thoroughly impressed with the final product. And the one thing I said, make sure that chicken's fully cooked because it can be breaded, it can be seasoned, it can be perfectly prepared, but if it's not allowed to cook, if they stop cooking it even five minutes before the time it was ready to be cooked, what can be delicious can be deadly. What might give you nourishment will give you diarrhea. <laughs> and the problem is some of y'all are not allowing the other individual or yourself to finish cooking. Listen, you're going to be great, and that person might be great, and it'll be awesome and enjoyable at the right time. But right now, they're not mature enough. They're not ready. And you can ruin a potentially great thing because you were too thirsty or hungry to wait for it to finish cooking. Are you hearing me tonight? First thing you got to be careful about is making sure that they're mature enough. So let's go back into Proverbs chapter 7. Next two verses give us our next red flag. Verse 10, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face, and she said. Red flag number two, you don't want to date somebody if they belong to the streets. I'm sorry to tell you. But this woman in Proverbs 7, she belonged to the streets, y'all. It says it right here. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner she lurks. What am I saying? Listen, what attracts you might be the very thing that kills you. You know, oh, well, uh, this and this and that. And she's like, you don't know her, you don't know him. It's like, no, 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 no. If they belong to the streets, everybody knows that. 
And I get it. Oh, you shouldn't judge people. You shouldn't do. Well, listen, I got to make a judgment call if I'm going to be with somebody. I can't just be like, oh, you know, I know she made out with half the school, but like, I don't want to judge people. Yeah, but I don't want like a disease either. <laughs> so, so listen, when it says, it says she belonged to the streets, here's what you got to understand. There's a few things in this that I want to walk through. Uh, first of all, she was dressed inappropriately. Okay. The Bible says here that there she was dressed like a prostitute. Not that she was a prostitute, but that she dressed like one. Okay? You will attract what you put out there. This goes just as well for men. Okay? When you make your entire personality based on your physicality, on your body, don't be surprised if people are only attracted to you because of your body. Don't be surprised if people only want to be with you because they want to touch your body but not have any connection to your soul. And so here's what's going on is we, we put this out there. She dressed in a way that drew him in. The problem is she wasn't charging a fee. She was doing it for free. <laughs> so she's not a prostitute. It might be worse. She was just giving it out. And so here she is dressed like something, and now that's what she's attracting. Some of you wonder, well, I don't know why no one ever takes me seriously. It's hard to take you seriously when you don't take yourself seriously. When you put that kind of bait out there, don't be surprised that that's the kind of fish you catch. And so what I always try to tell people, listen, if it's not for sale, don't put it in the window. There are some things that need to be kept modest, if only so that you can demonstrate self-respect. And I get it because I think the pendulum swings one extreme to the other. And so there was a season where the church was really guilty of hammering in, in particular with women, where they're like, you can't wear this, you can't wear that, and you're causing men to stumble. And, and so there was a lot of backlash from that. And people were going, well, why is it my responsibility for him to watch his eyes? And, and it got all convoluted. And I need you to understand there's a common ground in this, though, for both men and women. When in how you carry yourself and how you present yourself is important to what you receive back. So when you dress with respect, don't be surprised when you're given respect. And when you dress disrespectfully, when you try to show everything out in order to appease some sort of low self-esteem that we carry, don't be surprised when it comes back. And again, I get it. Oh, you know, you hear all these things. People are just body shaming. The problem with the body shaming thing is we created a culture that is now shameless. They have no shame at all. And so they do things brazenly, as the scriptures say, without the thought of anybody else. And it actually hurts how they're viewed by people. And then they sit there and wonder, well, I don't know why everybody treats me like just a physical object, because that's all you've put out. And so that's all we'll ever know. And again, this is not unique to women. There's a lot of dudes that do the same thing, that are spending hours and hours killing themselves at the gym, not to be healthy, but to be attractive. And when that's all you ever work on, you can have a great body and a horrible personality. You could be shiny on the outside, but a shiny turd is still a turd. <laughs> and so if on the inside you are filthy, don't be surprised when no one takes you seriously. The other thing that you'll notice, though, is she said that she's unfaithful. She's never at home. Here in the streets, there in the square, she's never at home. If you see somebody and they're talking to everybody... They're hitting on everybody. You think they're really going to stop when they get with you? That's who they are. That's, that's naturally what they do. And they'll give you some line like, oh, you know, I'm just flirty. It's not a big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. <laughs> because if my wife was walking around flirting with every other dude, I would not be happy about it. And it's not that I'm insecure. It's that I have self-respect. Listen, 
Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Listen, faithfulness begins the minute you start that relationship. Don't think just because you're, you're with them for a long time that they will never cheat on you. If they cheated on you, some of you are like, hey, I was the one they cheated with, but they're going to be faithful to me. Well, why? Why would you even think that? It makes no sense. And so you got to look at faithfulness. What's their faithfulness look like? Are they faithful to the people that they've been with? Are they faithful in the relationships they have? Or are they constantly turning on everybody? Okay, listen, I would never date Taylor Swift. I don't want to end up in one of her breakup songs. That's messed up. Right? Every, I don't know why every dude who hooks up is like, hey, it won't be me. Yes, it will be you. You're the next album, homie. And then she remastered a few of them. <laughs> and the other thing with this when it comes to, you know, belonging to the streets is when they view sex as transactional. When it's not about intimacy, it's about sexy. When it's not about the combining of souls and, and the design in which God created sex, but it's about simply transaction. This is what I want, and now that I got it, I don't need you for anything else. I just wanted your body. And again, this is not unique to women. This goes across the board, men and women, who you, all you are is a hill to climb, is a mountain to conquer, is another mark off of the belt. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, God, uh, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. When sex is only transactional, then you are only transactional. And there's nothing about you that's unique or special. You're a rental. I just have you for a little bit until I want to wear out, until I want to move on to the next thing. We need to stop letting people lease us and wait until somebody's willing to purchase. I said this a few times, especially when I go into schools, but I want you to think about this for a second. Have you ever seen a commercial for a Maserati or a commercial for a Bugatti? Anybody ever seen a commercial for that? No. Anybody ever seen a used car commercial? Used car commercial? Okay. You know why you've seen a used car commercial, but you've never seen the Bugatti or a Maserati commercial? Because Bugatti and Maserati are high-end luxury vehicles. Half a million dollar cars, if not more. Bugatti and Maserati understand that if you can afford one of us, you will call us. We don't got to beg you to show up. If you got the money for a Bugatti or a Maserati, you're going to show up. While a used car salesman is begging you to walk on the lot and try to put off what he's got. Because it's used, it's abused, it's not good anymore. They're just trying to get some payment for it. Some of us need to learn to be treated like a high-end luxury car and not like a used car. Guys, you are a Maserati, you are a Bugatti, you are not a 2003 Toyota Corolla. So treat yourself like that. Don't let somebody lease you, rent you. Wait till they buy. Next transition. So we got two red flags on. Listen to what happens in verse 13 through 18. It says, she threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you and here you are. My bed is spread and my beautiful blankets with colored sheets of Egyptian linen 
I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink of our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Let me explain what she's actually saying, because this is a big deal. What she's saying is, hey, bro, I went to church, and I've cleansed myself of all my sins. So now I'm a clean slate, ready to fill up that sin list all over again. She said, don't worry, it's okay, because I've gone to church and I've cleansed myself. When she looks back and she says, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows, she's saying, okay, I've made a clean slate with God, now I can sin all over again. And what that tells me is a red flag that you need to understand, that if they play with God, they will play with you. If someone plays with their relationship with God, I guarantee you they will play with their relationship with you. If they can't take God Almighty seriously, why would they take you seriously? Okay? Their relationship with God will be a clear indicator of how serious they'll take their relationship with you. And again, I'm talking about believers here, all right? I'm talking about people who say they're Christians. Their relationship with God is an indicator of how they're going to treat you. Listen, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Listen, too many of us are satisfied with other people's spiritual minimums. So when your leader comes up to you and says, hey, I noticed you're dating that person. Are, are, are they a, a believer? Or do they have a relationship with God? A lot of times, this is what spiritual minimum is. Well, you know, they believe in God. Spiritual minimum. Well, that's why I'm trying to get them to come to church. Because you're trying to appease your own guilty conscience. And I'm not saying this foreignly. This is what I did as an Excel student. I had this rule, like, oh, I would only date Christian girls. And a girl started coming to church just to date me. She didn't care about God. She just knew that I had that rule. And for me, just because she showed up, it satisfied the rule. Why? Because she was pretty. I'm like, pretty? Comes to church. Good enough for me. I didn't examine her heart. I didn't watch her relationship with God. I didn't see if she was serious about growing in that relationship with God. And so there was this trajectory in my life where I was going after God with everything I had. And that trajectory stopped the second I started aiming my relationship towards her and no longer aiming in my relationship towards God. If they don't have a genuine, strong relationship with God, trust me when I tell you this, they will derail yours. Well, they believe in God, they go to church, you know. So what? The Bible says even the demons believe there's a God and shudder at his name. What makes you any different? So we need to be careful because a lot of times we, we try to satisfy that guilty conscience by, by justifying our relationship with them. And in reality, here's what you really got to understand. You're actually being super bogus to that individual. You as a believer who know better, trying to get that person to come to church just because you want to be with them, not because you genuinely care about their soul. Because I guarantee you this, if you broke up with them, you wouldn't want them coming to church anymore. And so you compromise their opportunity to have a relationship with God because you want a relationship with them. And that's just not right. Because I've been in this ministry long enough to see people who walk away from God completely because they've been hurt internally by someone in the room who they were attracted to or had a relationship with. We need to be careful, guys. We need to treasure the people who come in this room. Not get all thirsty because it's a new guy or it's a new girl. It's like, oh, snap, you know, she's hot, he's good looking, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's mine, that's mine. No, that's the Lord's. 
You let God do what he's going to do in them. And if God decides at some point to bring that together, then we'll praise God in that moment. But don't you try to jump that. Because there have been plenty of healthy relationships that God has built and excel. I met my wife here. Jonathan met his wife here. Evelyn met her fiance here. There are great examples of people who have met their future spouse in this room. But I tell you what, there's a lot of examples of people who have walked away from God because they've been hurt by someone they were dating in this room, didn't like seeing them every week anymore, and all of a sudden, don't go to church no more. And don't let that be the reason why someone stops coming just because you were bogus. Verse 21, in Proverbs chapter 7, it says, So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. Red flag number four, when their words don't line up with God's word. When their words don't line up with God's word. Listen, take it from somebody who's gifted in speaking. I can manipulate just as easily as I can inspire. I can talk someone into doing something that they don't want to do, especially if they're simple, as we talked about earlier. Yo, I once convinced a girl that there were fish in the sky. Like, low-key. I was like, yeah, you know, there's these microscopic fish, and sometimes because of evaporation, they get caught up in droplets, and they actually get stuck in clouds, and they start to grow actually in the clouds, and when they get to a certain size, they fall back into the ocean. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. I was like, no, I just made all that up. You're really dumb. Okay, listen, you can manipulate people into believing almost anything. But you got to be careful because the only way you will know truth is if you know God. So how do you know if they're just spitting game or if they're speaking truth? Well, do you know truth? Do you know what God's word says? And listen, this isn't anything new. This is literally happening since the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3, right? Verse 1 through 5. Jesus made Adam and Eve. He's got Adam and Eve. I'm sorry, God made Adam and Eve. He's got Adam and Eve in the garden. They're doing their thing. And God says, hey, listen, there's only one rule. You can eat from any tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all right? If you eat from that tree, you're going to die. So don't touch it. And then we see in verse 1 from chapter 3 that a serpent shows up. And it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, speech, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Subtle little lie. Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So she knows God's word. She knows what God says. But what does the serpent say? You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The second somebody you are involved with romantically starts to try to manipulate what you know God's truth to be, you need to run. Oh, well, listen, it's not a sin just if we do this. It's just a little bit. We're not going all the way. Or, or, or hey, listen, it's not, a, it's not that big a deal if you start missing a couple of weeks. You know, you know I don't get to see you. I want to hang out with you. The minute they start to compromise what you know God has spoken over you, you need to run away from that person. You need to back away because they are slowly enticing you to reject your relationship with God in accordance to their relationship with you. Because their mindset is, hey, listen, I can't get what I want while God is in the middle of it. So what do they do? They try to get God out of the way. And some of us will fall for it. The serpent, all he did was speak. He didn't hold a gun to Eve's head. He didn't threaten her husband's life. 
He didn't do all this other crazy. All he did was he spoke to her, but he spoke words that didn't line up with God's word. And she knew God's word, but what he said sounded more appetizing than what God said. Don't misunderstand, man. The world's got good game. There are people out there, they know exactly what to say to get you to do what they want to do. They know exactly what to say. They know how to pinpoint your insecurities. They know how to manipulate those little things. It's good game out there. Not everybody. A lot of people in this room, I've seen you. You have a really bad game. But there are some people, man, they got game. They could talk a good game. But it's only what it is to them. It's a game. It's not a genuine relationship. It's not something where they have a genuine pursuit of you long term. It's just divide and conquer. Divide you from a relationship with God, and then you're open to being conquered. You hear me tonight? Last red flag I see, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 22 through 23. It says, he followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag or a deer caught up in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Here's red flag number five. When you're unable to walk away, that's a red flag. When you're so caught up in it that you cannot walk away from that individual, unless you're married to them, that's a trap. Some of us will compromise so many aspects of our life in order to not lose this person. We throw away our self-respect. We throw away our relationship with God. We throw away our relationship with our families. We throw away our relationship with our parents. Why? Because everybody's getting in the way of my relationship with this individual. When you are at a point where you couldn't see yourself walking away, I need you to know you're too close. And now it's dangerous because now this person has a hold of you and you are allowing them to do that. Unless you're married to that individual, you should always be willing to or at least able to walk away. And too often, people allow themselves to be abused, to be taken advantage of, to be disrespected, or to even be physically harmed because of their inability to walk away. For years, I couldn't walk away. A lot of it had to do with my own insecurity. A lot of it had to do with me feeling like I was never good enough, that if anybody attractive was attracted to me, I needed to do whatever I could to hold on to them because no one else would ever feel that way. I allowed myself to be manipulated. I allowed myself to be abused. I allowed myself to be pushed into situations where I wasn't comfortable with, all because I wasn't able to walk away. Literally, I remember at one point in a relationship, the girl saying, oh, if you don't like it, just break up with me, and me going, no, I'm sorry. Why? I just couldn't walk away. So once God got a hold of me and, I, and, I, and started reforming me and changing me and building me back up, I said to myself, never again am I going to get to that point where I can't walk away. So when I started dating Cicely, my wife, there was never a point in our dating relationship and even when we were engaged where I felt like I couldn't walk away from her. Even to this day, as much as I adore and I love my wife, God forbid should something happen and the Lord decide to take her home, it'll be devastating but I can be able to move forward. Because have you heard me say a million times, she is not the foundation of my life. She is the penthouse. She's the beautiful luxury building at the top of this structure that God has built. But Christ is my foundation. So if the building falls, I can build again. 
But when you make an individual, a romantic partner, the foundation of your life, when you give them the authority to create all of your happiness, you give them full authority to destroy it. And that's dangerous. No one should have that much authority over your life outside of God. That's why the Bible tells us over and over again, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, because that's the direction you're gonna go. Guard your heart. Guarding your heart doesn't mean guard it until you get with an individual. Guarding your heart means guard it all the way through. Meaning, hey, listen, I think you're cool, and I'd like to continue to pursue this relationship with you, but you're not my husband, or you're not my wife, and you certainly are not my God. And the second you try to compete with my relationship with God, I need you to know you already lost. Why? Because my greatest pursuit is my relationship with God. And what they would need to understand, and if they're godly, they will get, is the stronger my relationship with God is, the greater my relationship with my wife is. I am more loving to my wife when I have a stronger relationship with God. I am more caring with my wife when I have a stronger relationship with God. I am more patient with my wife. I am more endearing with my wife when I have a good relationship with God. When my relationship with God is struggling, my wife suffers. And so if you want to be a great spouse, both of you need to be going after a relationship with God. You, them, and you meet up there at the top in your relationship with God. And what happens is a lot of us, you go to your relationship with God, they refuse to, but because you want them, you leave your relationship with God to go be with them. I can never compromise that. And my wife knows and my daughters know that my first love is my Lord and Savior. He comes before everybody. And God then brings us together in our relationship with him. That's why the Bible says uh, two, two people standing back to back is better, but a triple braided cord is not easily broken. When two people are intertwined with God, you can't break that. Are you too close to this situation? Are you so close to this individual that if God ever said, hey, I need you to end that relationship, you would end your relationship with God before you'd end your relationship with them? Can I tell you just, just a moment of transparency? There was a moment when I was a teenager and I was really struggling in this unhealthy relationship that I was in. And I remember here at this altar, on my knees, I'm praying. My youth pastor comes up to me, kneels down next to me, pats me on the shoulder, says, look at me. I'm like, rude, you're interrupting my prayer time. He says, look at me. I look at him, and he dead, looks me dead in the eyes and goes, she's not your wife. Stop it. And I'm like, yo, because I wasn't praying out loud. I was praying in my heart, and, and I was praying for that girl. And the Lord sent my pastor to check me and say, stop making her your God. And I heard. Don't ever be so close to an individual that it makes you be further away from God. I want to be so close to God and my partner to be so close to God that we're just both hugging him at the same time. You hear me tonight? Yeah. Pastor Jason, if you can maybe help me out. So I want to end this proverb. If you've been following the story, it's this young man, simple young man. He hooks up with this married woman who's dressed like a prostitute and wilding out on the streets and acting all crazy anytime her husband's out of town. <clears throat> and now he's caught in a trap. He's gone in too deep. He's caught in a snare. And then listen to what it says as he wraps up this proverb. It says, so listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away, stray away towards her. 
Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is a road to the grave, or another translation says, a road to hell. Her bedroom is the den of death. 13 years, I've served as a pastor. Five years before that, I served as a youth leader. So for 18 years, as a leader in this ministry, I have seen person after person after person walk away from God the second they get into a relationship with an unbeliever. You could, you could time it like clockwork. And I always say there's a few groups of people that will never listen to sound wisdom. One of them are the people who say, I'm in love. Because now you're not just dealing with them, you're dealing with the other individual too. I remember one time sitting up here and uh, I, was, I had talked the week before to a young man. I was asking him about his relationship. I was making sure that he was living pure. I said, hey man, are you being pure in your relationship? Are you controlling yourself sexually? And, you know, he told me everything and we went into details on some of that stuff. Well, he told his girlfriend and the next week she came over to me to tell me that you are not allowed to ask my boyfriend about our sexual relationship. That's one of the first times that I clapped back hard. I said, I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm the pastor here. You don't like it, you can go to another church. Well, I'm going to tell my mom, you can tell your grandma. I don't care. And she, I went off on her. And then I looked at him and said, and what kind of man are you standing there letting her talk? You got a problem with that? You come and talk to me about it. Bro, I was heated. Why? Because he was simple. And he was allowing himself to be pulled away. And eventually he did. Years later, actually, he hit me up, apologized about the whole thing, and it's kind of a funny story long term. But there's person after person that I've seen have a, a deep relationship with God, cry at this altar, surrender their life to the Lord, be called into ministry, be, be called into a life of servitude, like have this heart and this passion for Jesus. But their desire to be with another person ends up superseding their desire to be with God. And the worst of it is, it's not like God wants all of us to be single our entire lives. And it's not like being single is the worst thing in the world. There are plenty of people who live happy and fulfilled life single. Let me help you understand this. Marriage is not an end goal in the kingdom of God. Okay, I know sometimes churches have painted it that way, but that's not the truth. You have been made whole and fulfilled when you began your relationship with Christ. You do not need another individual to be your better half because you are not half a person anymore. You are made full in Christ. That other person is a compliment. It's not a fulfillment. You are fulfilled. And if you are not fulfilled in Christ, you will never be fulfilled by another individual which is gonna be the last thing I need you to understand tonight. Before you go out exploring and looking for the one, which by the way, that doesn't exist. There is no such thing as the one. It's a dumb concept because like if I didn't marry the one, then that's somebody else's one and there's a whole chain of events and nobody's with their one. It's so dumb, it's, okay? But if you want to pursue a relationship at any point in your life, if you believe that God wants you to be married and that's in the cards for you and that's a desire of your heart and God's hearing it and all that stuff, then it begins with a deep, powerful, passionate relationship with God. Because the Bible says that God is love. So how can you ever possibly love someone else 
when you haven't fully experienced the love of God. When you don't know what it means to be loved by God, then you'll never understand what it means to truly love another person. Not in the way God created love. And so I want you to stand real quick. And I want to pray just a prayer of blessing over you. Because I know a lot of us want to be in relationships. But I hope tonight you heard my heart. I hope you take an examination first. Hey, listen, am I mature enough to be in a relationship? Because if the end goal is marriage, and I'm not mature enough to be married, why do I want to start a relationship? You're telling me you're 14 years old, you want to date somebody, and yet you don't want to even think about getting married until you're 24? So you want to date this person for 10 years. Only them, despite going to different high schools, going to different colleges, going to different career paths, y'all don't even understand how much you change between 18 and 22, let alone between 14 and 18. (laughs) And all these, you know, but we can do it. I've seen other people do it. That don't mean you can do it. That don't mean you should do it. Here's what I suggest. Just be their friend. Because maybe 10 years later, instead of dating somebody you dated for 10 years, maybe you can end up dating your best friend. Or maybe 10 years later, you realize, oh, no, I do not like them like that. We are Ron and Hermione. We know. <laughs> oh, wait, they ended up together. He's the only one that got out of the friend zone. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes! <laughs> hey, listen. One of the greatest joys as a youth pastor is getting ready to, to marry people that grew up in my youth ministry. I love it. But I love it most when people do it the right way. Because I have confidence that when they start the right way, they'll be able to finish the right way. And that's my hope for you. That's my desire for you. That you could avoid heartache, that you can avoid heart pain just because your lust is becoming greater than your love. That you would carry yourself with dignity and respect so that you will draw people who look at you with dignity and respect. So that you'll be everything that God called you to be. And if you, are whoever, uh, if you are everything God called you to be, then you'll receive everything God wants you to have, including a spouse. Are you hearing me tonight? So why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray a blessing for you. This is for every student. This is for every young adult. Every single person in this room, and single means unmarried. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your children, God. Lord, some of us in this room are still among the simple. And it's not that we're dumb, God. It's just that we're inexperienced. It's just that we're young. And Father, I pray even now, would you guard our hearts and minds from taking hold of things that aren't right for us right now? God, I pray that you would help us to make sure that our primary focus, particularly in this time of our lives where we can fully dedicate ourselves to you, would be concentrated on building a stronger relationship with you. God, we want to know what love is truly and fully. And so we need to know you, God. So Father, I pray, help us to make first thing first. As your word says, to seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be added on to us. To make you the priority. Father, help us to fully mature and to wait for the other person to fully mature. Help us to uh, walk in dignity and and be modest in everything that we do, O Lord, in the way that we dress, in the way that we carry ourselves, in our faithfulness to one another. Father, help us to not be fooled by creative words, 
but to stand on your word and your word alone. Help us, Father, to not be caught in a trap where we're so entangled in their web that we can't walk away from it. And Father, I pray that you would help us to love you and to be loved by you so that you would be all we need and everything else would just be the added bonus. Father, we pray for fulfillment in you and you alone, that it would be over every aspect of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. We love you. Remember, small group starts tomorrow. There's a great opportunity for us to hang out, build relationships. If you got any questions, if you want to talk more about dating, some of the leaders are going to be sticking around. I'll be here. And obviously, you can talk to us tomorrow. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow.